You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We just thank you for joining us today. Now, it's interesting. When we read the Bible, my Bible, I looked at it, had, has 2,530 pages. And what I noticed was the first two pages were really, really wonderful. The last two pages are really, really wonderful. And in between, the bulk of it is this up and down story of God bringing his creation into restoration. He's bringing them into a complete love relationship again. This story spans centuries, and it's still in progress today. You and I are part of this story. And it's really just an incredible story. It's a story of a people that reject God and all of his wonder to meet our own, to seek our own paths, to do what we feel is good in our eyes as we define good, only to feel remorse when we do bad as we define bad. And it's a story of our good God drawing us back into personal love relationship with him. I know this is the Lenten season, and a lot of us are experiencing some really crazy times right now. I mean, really crazy, unheard of times. And many of us look for this season to reflect on sin. We, we, we seek repentance and a time to connect with Christ. What I want in this message is a reminder of just how close Jesus is to us, how he always pursues us, and how he always wants to gift us. And so, with that, I'd like to open with a prayer. Father, we want to thank you for just your great grace and mercy in leading us through all of this, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we need you to smash this virus. Smash what it's doing to damage lives and take lives. We turn our eyes to you to know the power of the truth and the light of the world is in your hands. We ask that you fill us with your peace and wisdom as we sail through these uncharted waters. We pray that your love, grace, and joy and peace, peace of God will fill us completely. Amen. Now the story we're going to share today is a story that Jesus told. While he had gathered and was dining with the most notorious people in the area, the religious leaders came onto the scene, and they just put up a huge fuss. Dining with people had a very particular, it was a very particular custom in those days, and had very specific meaning. It was an expression of acceptance, of celebration, and it was not taken lightly. If someone asked you to dinner, it was a significant compliment and honor we, we take dining together kind of flippant. As a matter of fact, I think that a lot of you haven't dined with your families for a little while until this all started happening. And hopefully, that's been a good experience. I know it's always challenging with little ones. But the Pharisees and the scribes, they were outraged. And, the, and now the scribes, these are the people that are like the experts of the law. And so they're like, oh my goodness. And they, they quote, this man accepts and welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus then tells them three stories. And they're stories about bringing people back to their owners, or bringing things back to their owners. He has a hundred sheep and one is lost. And he finds the sheep and then they have a huge celebration. Ten coins and one is lost. And when it's found, there's a huge celebration. 
Then there's one with the two sons, one is lost, and when one is found, there's a huge celebration. Because Jesus celebrates the lost when they're found, when wanderers gain their bearings, and when sons and daughters unite with the parents. When we look at the story of the prodigal son, the story's really misnamed. It's really about a loving father who happens to have two sons. And I want you to realize this story is not about someone that never knew his father, that never ate at his table, and that wasn't covered by the protection of the father. So before you just dismiss this story as about somebody else, this is a story about someone who's pretty sure he knew his father. So let's begin. We're going to go to Luke 15. So those of you at home, just get your Bibles out. Get your electronic devices, which you're probably looking on here. So I'm going to ask you to get your Bible out, but we'll put it up on the screen. We're going to start with verse 11 through 14. We're going to break this up in sections. So it begins, Jesus is replying. He says, then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them inappropriately said to his father, father, give me the share of property that falls to me. So he divided the estate between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered together everything that he had and to travel to a distant country where he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to do without and, and be in need. So the younger son asked for his inheritance before his father has even been buried. I mean, this is really incredible. In that culture, that's like you're treating your father as if he's dead. And the father doesn't show any, any offense at all. Divides a fortune, gives it, and then the son blows it, having a great old time. To make matters worse, everybody's broke because a famine breaks out. So the son's not just hungry, he's actually beginning to starve. It goes on in verse 15, it says, He went and forced himself on one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He would have gladly eaten the pods that the pigs were eaten, but they could not satisfy his hunger, and no one was giving anything to him. So it sounds like the party's a little bit of a downer. And he begs someone to give him pennies to work with pigs. Now, you have to understand, this is someone raised as a Jew who found pigs disgusting. And not only does he have to raise the pigs, he's wishing he could eat what the pigs are eating. And the only reason he doesn't is our bodies couldn't digest what they, they gave to the pigs. All that food and drink that he shared, all of his drinking buddies, nobody comes to his aid now. Let's move on to verse 17. But when he came to his sentences... He said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough food while I'm dying here of hunger? I will go get up and go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me like one of your hired men. Now, I'm not real sure if the son's repentant. But I do know this, his stomach's talking. And... He practices this speech to get himself a meal. And I love it. It says he came to his senses. Actually, it means he came to himself. That he knows he can play good old dad for one more meal. But you know what? I, I find this kind of comforting. 
God doesn't care what your initial motivation is. He just wants us to come home. You know, I'm sure there's a few of us who've questioned, why is this person even in church? Instead of celebrating for him, with him. And we really have to be careful. You know, there's a whole lot of marriages that occurred because someone wanted to hang out with the cute church girl or the cute, cute church guy. And now these are good Christian families. You know, God does work in mysterious ways. So then it goes to verse 20. It says, So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And now we get a glimpse of the father. He was looking for him in the distance. He never gave up on his son. His son may have walked away, but he was still close to the father's heart. He runs. You know, that in itself is amazing. Because no man from that culture back then would run with his robe tucked under his belt, with his legs hanging out. It was a huge disgraceful thing, but he didn't care. Abba sees his boy and can't wait to kiss him. Dad isn't thinking about decorum. He just sees his son coming forward and he has to run. The son may have rejected the father, but the father never rejected the son. The father absorbed the insult, the hurt, the lack of, of love, and just ran. And the thing that would have happened is, in that culture, is the whole village. They would have gathered to oust the son, to ban him from the temple, and to proclaim him dead. There was a ritual of shame to the son and to the family, but the father he just ran to the son with unbridled love before the culture could rush out and shame and judge his son. Then in verse 22, But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring out the best robe for the, for the guest of honor and put it on him, and give him a ring for his hand and sandals for his feet, and bring the fatted calf and slaughter it, and let us invite everyone sell a, and have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was as good as dead and is alive again. He was lost and has been found. So let's begin to celebrate. The father restores his son to his prior place as a son of the master of the house. To wear the clothing of a man of position, to wear the shoes of privilege, and to carry the ring of authority of the manor. You know, there's a whole lot more to this story. I really just wanted to focus on this part. You know, you and I have come to Christ for a myriad of reasons. Some of us came as a last resort for some really terrible things happening in our lives. Some may have been just terrified at the prospect of going to hell and came to God for forgiveness. In this story, he just wants to be a servant in order to get a meal. Having been accepted, though, has he really truly shifted his thinking? To feel like a son, or does he feel like he still needs to be, do more to be redeemed? How many of us are still striving to be accepted by the Father? Needing to do, feeling, striving to become holy, striving to constantly and wondering if we need to do more. Are we still beggars in sons and daughters' clothing? Are we striving to be the person 
that God has already declared we are. You know, it's so important for us to know that we're loved and have been accepted by the Father. We're one with the Father. We're one with the Son, and we're one with the Holy Spirit. This opens us up, our heart up, to receive the myriad of gifts that God gives us. The multicolored layers of his grace that, that he just wants to pour out for us. You know, while Jesus was praying in his last moments, he was about to be taken away and begin his suffering. He prays, and he's, it's recorded in the book of John. And I'd like to pick up in chapter 17, and we're going to go to verse 22. And this is when Jesus is talking about us to the Father. So we're kind of over, we're listening in on Jesus praying to the Father about us. He says, I have given them the glory and honor which you have given me, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected and completed into one, so that the world may know without any doubt that you sent me and that you have loved them, referring to us, just as you have loved me. Father, I also desire that, the, Father, I desire also that they, that whom you have given to me as your gift to me may be with me where I am so that they may see that my glory which you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. That we're a gift. I want you to look at that closely. We've inherited the honor and the glory that the Father gave to Jesus. I want you to stand back in all of that very first line there. That he has given us. He says, Father, I have given them the glory and the honor that you have given me. That's just hard for me to fathom. I mean, former sinners like me and you have found this kind of favor in Christ. Then he asked then that we may have the same oneness with each other as the Father is to the, is, and the Son are, that we can come to understand that kind of love, the same kind of love that the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father, that we can have that kind of unity. And he does this to make us the example of his love to the world, by which the world will know who he is and that, the, and that God the Father loves us like he loves his Son. We're his standing example. And each of us is a gift of the Father to the Son. And Jesus wants us to be with him forever. To sit with him in the holy places on high. This love always was, is, and will to come. We do wear the, the clothes of a son and of daughters. And we can do nothing to improve or add to this gift. We belong to Christ. When the father saw his son walking up the lane, his love exploded in his heart, and he just needed to hug him before he needed an apology. The only thing in his mind was to close the distance between him and his son. And this is a parable of perfect love. Jesus was trying to explain to his disciples things that were about to happen, that he was going to leave them and, but come back at some point. And this really troubled them. They didn't really understand this. And this is in John 14. But I love it. When you look at John 14, it opens in verse 1, 
And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And I, I'm using the Amplified Bible where it says, don't be troubled, afraid, or cowardly. Believe confidently in God and trust him. Have faith, hold on to it, rely on it, keep going, and believe also in me. You know, the word troubled here is kind of a vague word. Um, it kind of means fear. It kind of means pulling back. But for us, it's that general sense of unease. And I think that we're right now, for a lot of us, we're not really fully fearful. We're troubled. This is very confusing. We've, no one's ever gone through this before. And we feel our, we're out of our schedule. What about our jobs? What's we worry about all these different things. Our kids are supposed to be in school now, and we're supposed to be schooling them. We've we got people that are used to being in certain gathering places. You know, j just an hour change in our time throws us off. This is troubling. And God understands that. He says, believe, trust him, and trust the Father, and believe. You know, he lets them know that the Holy Spirit's coming, and the Holy Spirit has come. And to represent him and act on his behalf. Then he adds one of his great gifts. I'm going to pick up 14, 26, and 27 here. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom my Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf, he will teach you all things. He will help you remember everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let it, nor let it be afraid. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. You know, when the father hugged and kissed his son, he gave a part of his heart to the son. The son knew he was safe and welcome in the joy of the father. And his peace he gave to his son. All the fear, all the apprehension, all that unease of coming home. Think about this. He came home a failure. He came home after calling, saying, Dad, I just wish you were dead. He comes home, and his father kisses him and, and pours into him a level of peace that's unbelievable. It was a peace to cast out all the fear, a peace that cast out any doubt, a peace that overwhelmed the enemy. This is the peace that Jesus gives us. His own heart is extended to us in love, and it's expressed in the power of peace. When Jesus says, my peace I give you, he's not praying for peace. He's not calling on some feeling to overwhelming. He's giving something of himself to us, a very part of his own heart. Anytime God releases an infusion of love, there is power. And peace has significant power to overcome the plans of the enemy, to cause us to feel insecure, alone, or ill at ease. The peace of the Father's love is, is his act of redemption and his act of redemption assured the Son of his rightful place in the banquet. Jesus wants you to know 
while he's always pursuing the lost, he delights in pursuing the found. He's continually wooing and seeking our hearts and our minds. And you know, he wants to bring us closer to him in every area of our life. His peace is perfect love. And perfect peace, I'm sorry. And his love is perfect love. He asks us to sit with him at the banquet. You know, in all this isolation and we can't see our friends and we, we're, some of us feel a little lonely. So some of us seek the peace of the world. The peace of the world is a word called distraction. We get distracted. And we take your mind off of something. So we go to TV, Netflix. Then you watch some crazy movie and it makes you all the more depressed or whatever. You know, most of us, we don't go to vacation for an adventure, to see new things, to glorify God. We go to get away. I want to get my mind off of this stuff. I want to get away from work. When you come back from vacation, how was your vacation? Oh, it was just so good to be away. But the perfect peace of God is to be in, not away. To be connected and not to escape. To be with him where he is. And he really, really wants you with him right now. I think this is a great little time for us to reflect. And if you're married, I'm going to make a strong suggestion. Make a schedule of who gets alone time when. So if you've got kids in your household, Dad, from this time to this time, Mom's going to be alone. She may be in the backyard. She can go to her own room. Wherever she's going, no one interrupts her. And the flip side for the dad. Use that time. And, and relish the time with the Lord. Understand right now he's running for you. To capture you. To hug you. To kiss you. And to fill you with his peace. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, please release the truth of these words to be a living part of our heart. Come, Holy Spirit. Allow us to know your love and receive your peace. Oh, yes. Come, Holy Spirit. Make us carriers of your love so that others may know you. Cause us to cast your peace into the hearts of others. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, we pray this with thankful hearts that, that love you passionately. And we, we, we call on your grace to hear our prayers, to hear our voices, and to hear our hearts. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. We thank you, Lord, for holding us during this time. We ask that you continue to lift us up and lift each other up. Let us be aware of those other people in our households that are struggling also. We want to put a special prayer for different people in our congregation today. And if you're not a part of our congregation, you just happen to be viewing. If this is a, an area that you've thought, wow, I've never felt the kind of peace that is so connecting, put a note in, on your Facebook page there and let us know how to contact you. Coming to Christ is the answer of all things. He's an answer man. 
say, Lord, we're going to lift you up this day. We're going to lift you up this week. Each day we're going to seek you more and more. And we're going to stand in that lane. Stand on that road and allow you to rush to us. And we're going to open our arms to receive you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.